Hello, Rainomites listeners, and welcome to this very special, very timely edition of Rainomites. This is a special episode relating to our city council. There is a vacancy on the city council in Ward 5. Councilperson Neoma Jardin has resigned and left that seat open. That position is being filled by an appointment process. The current city council is going to select a replacement, and they've narrowed it down to three finalists. This is one of those three episodes with one of the finalists. The goal of this set of bonus episodes is to let people participate in the process. There are meet and greet events this coming week. That's the week of August 29th at City Hall. If you want to meet with the candidates, there's also Zoom opportunity. But if you just want to hear what these candidates are about, learn a little bit about them, I have a special episode with each of them for you to learn a little bit more and then express your preferences to the city council. Let the current city council members know who you like, who you don't, who you would like to see representing Ward 5. They want public participation in this process, and I hope that these interviews help make that public participation happen. A quick note before the interview, Renoites is a self-funded and listener-funded project and cannot exist without donations and contributions from people just like you. So if you find value in this type of interview, in this project, I would really appreciate you listening to more episodes and also spreading the word, letting people know about it. And if you have a few bucks to throw my way to help make this show sustainable, you can do that at patreon.com slash Even just a couple of bucks a month makes a huge difference. Every dollar you donate goes to helping spread the word about this show helping get information to our community, and I'm grateful for every single person who has helped make this show financially sustainable, make this show viable, let this show exist. I cannot do it without you. Again, that's patreon.com slash Thank you so much for tuning into this as well as the other two episodes and making your preferences known to the city council. Alex Goff, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Connor. So uh, you are one of the finalists for the open seat in City Council Ward 5. The idea of these interviews I'm doing with the finalists is to give voters or not voters, give, you know, future constituents a chance to learn a little bit about the finalists so that they can participate in the Q&A sessions. There's Q&As coming up this week. So I want to make sure that people who can't attend the Q&As have an opportunity to still learn about the folks who are up for this seat. So to start, can you tell me what Ward 5 is for people who don't really know the map? Uh, what is Ward 5, and what are some of the unique concerns for that ward in particular? Yes, I live in northwest Reno, and so it encompasses northwest Reno, encompasses uh, downtown Reno, parts of it, and then it encompasses the university. And so when you talk about those different sections, they have different um, concerns, different issues that are brought about. So the university right now uh, starting to link it toward downtown, right? Starting to build one uh, uni- like unified area and then start- certainly you want to um, if you have a university, you want to make sure that you incorporate the university into your city planning. And so I think Ward 5 is the perfect area to start thinking about and doing some of those things. You know, I heard an interview with the mayor the other day where she was talking about incorporating the bowling stadium into maybe esports or things like that. So uh, the, the university being there is a perfect uh, capsulation uh, opportunity to do that. Um, so downtown, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth. 
And so downtown, uh, you look out and you start seeing the sands be resurfaced. Jacobs Entertainment is building a lot of things. Uh, there's an amphitheater coming. Uh, and so a lot of changes to downtown. Uh, the residents there, um, you know, have certain concerns or certain issues, or some of them are excited. I've heard all over the gamut about, all over the, the spectrum about uh, thoughts about all the new stuff coming downtown. But it's certainly exciting to see that area being invigorated, I, I believe. I, I'm excited to see some of those things come downtown. Um, my particular uh, part of Northwest, uh, there was a woman named Donna who gave public testimony during uh, the meeting I attended the other day um, where she had said she wanted to see a senior center. These are, you know, single family homes oftentimes. And so, you know, things like a senior center, things like recreational uh, parks, those are very important, I think, to the residents of the, that area. Excellent. So when this vacancy was announced uh, and it was decided to do it by appointment, what things did you consider when thinking about whether you were going to apply or not? Yeah, so it's certainly uh, important to reach out to people in the community. Uh, you know, I just run for the assembly and, and lost in the primary. And so I had had connections with a lot of community stakeholders. So reaching out to folks and trying to gauge their opinion and, and what their thoughts were. And, uh, you know, I think it's back and forth. You know, you receive some phone calls and then also you make some phone calls and kind of gauge what the interest would be. And so, um, you know, it was, a, it was certainly a process. And, uh, you know, of course, my wife being a big stakeholder in my life and making sure that my wife would support that decision was really important for me to move forward as well. Excellent. Um, so you're going to have constituents on both sides of various issues. Uh, what do you expect your approach to be with the constituents who forcefully disagree with you about stuff? Like I've been at city council, there are public commenters who uh, have very, very strong opinions that they're not afraid to share with city council members. So what's your approach going to be to the people who uh, don't agree with you about some of these really important things. Yeah, I, I think it's important to listen, right? Uh, someone, you know, obviously there's a line where someone's too forceful, but I mean, if someone is very passionate, uh, I, I, that could be a better way to maybe describe it. Someone mm -hmm. being very passionate. I'm a passionate person, so I understand passion. And so being able to listen and being able to work with people to see uh, your way through things, you may not always agree and you may not always get to a solution that they find is, um, address the specific problems that they're bringing up, but um, certainly always willing to listen and certainly willing to communicate. I think that's important too, is that I heard your issue and these are the, how we're moving forward on it. And, um, you know, certainly being uh, accessible, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. um, so this is an appointment process for this seat right now, but I fully expect whoever is appointed to probably run for the seat in 2024 when it's up to the voters again. Um, so can you talk just a little bit more about what your experience has been? You just said that you had this primary recently, but can you talk a little bit more about what your experience has been with campaigns and with elections and what would you expect that 2024 election to look like? Let's say you're appointed, then you're up for the election in 2024. Can you just kind of explain what you think that race might look like and uh, some of your background in elections? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, elections are completely different. Complete, you're engaging with so many people that day-to-day -day, um, aren't able to pay attention. And I understand that. Uh, I served in the Marine Corps for eight years where I traveled around the, the world, and, and I expressed that during my public comment the other day at the city council meeting. I was apolitical uh, because the commander-in-chief you know, directs the military to do as it will. Uh, I used the example of the Iraq War. I didn't agree with the Iraq War, but you know that's what our commander-in-chief had us do, and, and I went and served overseas in Iraq. And so uh, 
understanding during you know day to day operating as a as a any elected official, but as a city council member, you're engaging with people who are either invested financially or personally in issues, and they're very knowledgeable. Uh, you find that time and time again, you know, people are very well understood and well read about particular issues as it comes to a certain project or a certain decision. But then when you're campaigning, you're talking to people oftentimes that aren't as invested. And so it's important to meet people where they are. And some of that is education. Some of that is just, you know, having a conversation with people about why this particular office what it does, why it's important. And I think city council in particular, it is those micro issues or, you know, maybe my, I don't say micro to be dismissive, but it is the street lights. It is the flooding. It is snow plows, right? It is those day-to-day things that when you're running for other offices, you'll hear people talk about. When I run for the assembly, people will talk about those issues. And the, the assembly and the other offices don't address those issues, but city council you do. Mm-hmm. And so I know that that's going to be a different experience because literally, 99% of the problems probably people bring up during that campaign are probably going to be issues addressed by the city council. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the city council doing the appointment process this time around? Obviously, it's going to be an election in two years, but um, they have the choice between a special or an appointment. So how do you feel about the process this time? Yeah, uh, I. it was interesting because we have open meeting law in Nevada, which applies to city council, county commission, boards and commissions. So serving as chair of the Human Rights Commission, I f- have to follow open meeting law. And part of that is you're to deliberate in front of the public and so that it's agendized, people know what's going to be discussed so they can show up if they have an interest in that topic and they can see the deliberation. And so uh, Councilwoman Dewar, I thought notably, but there were the majority of them were openly deliberating, going from one position to another in front of the public. It was kind of like the perfect encapsulation of what open meeting law is supposed to be. And so, you know, there were issues in particular about the appointment or excuse me, the special election when it would fall. Ideally, they had wanted the special election to happen in November when people are engaged and people understand what's going to be on the ballot. I am not a proponent of having a special election during an off time. Uh, In Clark County, they would have municipal elections during the summer after the general election. And I remember I would knock doors for those elections and people would honestly just be disengaged. They were going on a vacation and they were doing something else. So when I had heard that it would be eight months before we could have a special election, I just knew that would disenfranchise a lot of voters. And so I felt like they picked, you know, uh, the best option of a lot of not perfect options. And frankly, that's what you have to do as a council member or any uh, elected official is that sometimes you don't get a perfect option presented to you on a, on a plate. What you have to do is decide, make a decision, and you have to make the decision out of not a lot of great options, you know, and I mean, um, the, the coronavirus pandemic certainly comes to mind, you know, uh, there was a lot of issues, a lot of things that came before a lot of lawmakers that weren't perfect, weren't even maybe good in some circumstances, but that was the best option that was on the table. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a couple of local issues affecting Ward 5. Uh, the Neon Line District, this Jacobs development, uh, is kind of on the line of Ward 1 and Ward, Ward 5. Uh, and it's been the topic of a lot of conversation and conflict uh, about how Reno is changing. Can you explain a little bit of your understanding of what the role of the city is on those kind of projects? And what are your concerns and hopes for that area uh, and that project in general in the coming months and years? Yeah, so the city you know, reviews projects coming before it. But I mean, this is issues of private property, right? So you buy a plot of land and there are allowances uh, written in, you know, uh, through zoning about things that you're tolerated or allowed to do to the property. And then, you know, there's some uh, seemingly, you know, negotiation there, but, um, you know, 
if, if it's zoned for a particular item, then, um, you know, uh, the council uh, approves it. Uh, and we see this, you know, meeting after meeting. And uh, this project in particular, uh, you're seeing it as very visible. It's a lot of big changes. And it connects, in my mind, kind of downtown to Keystone to the west, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the neon line project and there's a lot of you know and like i said earlier you're resurfing the sands which is kind of like the start of it gold dust west the sands and then west out to keystone and so you know being like i said i'm under 40 uh, i'm a millennial having been born in 84 i'm excited about a lot of the changes that are coming to the downtown area but you do hear from a lot of residents a lot of concern about uh the changes and so um i think it's important to listen uh you know to the concerns and see how to best mitigate them. But, um, you know, I think that I always tell people I visited Dayton, Ohio in 2017, and that was a dying city. Uh, They were losing services to uh, people in low economic, uh, you know, people in lower economic, people were vulnerable. Um, And so city of Reno is in a different position where you're seeing continuing, um, they're providing services for people who are vulnerable. They're they're continuing to um, work well, I think, in that regard. And so uh, in a dying city, I don't think you have those options. And in a city where you're growing and you're thriving, you do have the ability to do some of those things. And so, um, you know, I think that this is a sign that we're continuing to grow and continue to thrive. And so it's a good sign from my perspective, but certainly wanting to navigate, you know, some of the issues that the residents have, especially that live in that area and uh, seeing how we can best mitigate or work through some of those issues. Excellent. Um, so responsibility for the CARES campus has shifted to the county, mm-hmm. um, but it was originally a partnership that the cities and the county. Um, how do you think the city's doing at addressing the needs of housed and unhoused people? Uh, and what approach do you think the city should be taking towards uh, homelessness? So I, I chair the city of Reno's Human Rights Commission. And initially, um, you know, when all these th- we would receive presentations on the CARES campus and the safe uh, site where people camp and it was just in blueprints and drawings and, 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 and staff meetings. Right. And it was frustrating because these things weren't coming online. And I know that was the experience of a lot of residents as well, Well, these things aren't online yet. Right. And now we're starting to see these things come to fruition. At one point, the safe camp was just tents. Right. And if you imagine how cold we get in the winter, that mm-hmm. was not suitable. Now they're hardened structures. You continue to see improvements in that area. Unquestionably, it's not perfect, but we continue to have room to grow. And my favorite thing about it of all, and this is kind of wonky, I guess, but it was the, there was no longer the jurisdictions pointing the fingers at each other. No longer was City of Sparks, City of Reno pointing the fingers at each other and then both pointing the fingers at the county about who was responsible for our unhoused population. They came together, uh, formed a committee, the, the CHAB. And uh, they came out with these recommendations. They were able to take ARPA funds and direct it in this way. And it's important for the county to take over, as I, I believe it's their responsibility to take over for um, the unhoused population. And they've hired staff to be able to address these issues and coordinate with the nonprofits to provide services to that population. And uh, I think the city has uh, room to continue. You know, we have a police force, and so uh, we're about to hire a new police chief. And so it'll be important to hear during that process about what they believe the role of the police is and dealing with this population, making sure that we're not uh, using the criminal justice system as uh, as a as treatment for these people, making sure that, you know, uh, Judge Hazel Stevens the other day gave a presentation about community courts. Um, I was a uh, the first mentor in the city of Reno's veterans court and diversionary courts where we're not stacking people with um you know, charges and fines and fees, et cetera, et cetera, giving people a pathway out of that, giving people opportunity, I think is incredibly important. And so 
we're not perfect yet, but I, I feel like we're on the right track. Excellent. Uh, so your ward has kind of a, a densifying component and then also an outward growing component. Uh, we're Reno's growing, right? We need more housing. People mm-hmm. are moving here. There's like no denying that we need more housing. Uh, so what type of housing do you want to see? Like Reno is growing. How do you think Reno should be growing? You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of getting units in the ground, right? And um, it's more complicated than that. And, and you know, there are people who, you know, design architecture and, um, you know, they have thoughts about, you know, in particular. And we're also, you know, we have parts of our city that flood. We need to be thoughtful of that. And we had our entire city flood in the past. Mm-hmm. But um, ultimately, we need units in the ground. And so um, I'm excited when I see denser projects coming online. I'm excited when I see apartments, when I see townhouses, when I see opportunities, because, you um, the thing that worries me is when I talk to people younger than me or even my age, um, not like I said earlier, I'm not yet 40, and people younger than me saying they're never going to be able to own a home. And that is disheartening to me. I think we need to give people options and opportunities to where they can buy property because we know that that's the number one way that people build wealth. And so ensuring that people have opportunities to buy property. And so if that starts off with a small, uh, you know, small studio uh, uh, townhouse that they're able to then build up to buy something bigger, um, that, I think that's a great thing and something that um, I, I certainly would want to incur, you know, let's let's put units on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the university, and that's a big part of Ward 5. And I know there's a lot of conversation about kind of connecting the university with downtown more. Can you just talk a little bit more about the uh, UNR and downtown connection and kind of what you'd like to see there and what's going on? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you have a college in your city, you want to make sure that you don't have a brain drain, which means that people just go to the university to, to study and then they leave for another municipality, right? So ideally with the university, what you want is is those minds staying in the community and being able to ultimately develop, you know, the future of whatever that city is, right? So you linking downtown where things are exciting and fresh, like I said, amphitheater, and then we have hotel properties, casinos that have, you know, fantastic food, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of opportunity, I hope, for students to graduate and then find their way into Reno and connecting downtown and downtown to the university hopefully will allow for interest of the residents at the university to be able to explore those opportunities downtown. And then, like I said, the opportunities with technology to where, you know, um, Esports, as an example, right? That's something that's being talked about. You see it internationally as a, as a big thing. And how can we harness that here where we have people who may be interested who go to the university or working on cutting edge or new ways to connect people or, you know, and how can we make sure we take advantage of that here in the city of Reno and those people don't go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, getting things done in city council means working together a lot, finding common ground, collaborating. Our council in recent years, I think, has had some we'll say interpersonal conflict, those kind of things. Like there's not always a lot of, um, not necessarily a lot of positive feelings or agreement on certain things. Um, So as a potential new member to the city council, what do you think that you'd bring to the council in terms of collaboration and working together? Yeah. So most of my life is, uh, you know, 
served in the Marine Corps for eight years, and after that for 10 years, I worked in the defense industry, and people from you know, all over the world. I remember a story of someone telling me they grew up in Puerto Rico, and they spoke Spanish. Their recruiter, when they recruited the Marine Corps, spoke Spanish, and they believed that when they went to uh, mainland America, they thought everyone was going to speak Spanish there, and they did not, so they quickly had to learn English. And But it was the drill instructor's version of English, which is a harsh, a lot of curse words, uh, raised tone, right? And so just working from people all over the world, uh, Accomplishing a mission, I think, is what people have, you know, ideal of what government is, right? And so I think it's important, like I said earlier, to meet people where they are and uh, make sure you listen, right? Uh, they say we're given two ears, one mouth. That way we can listen more than we speak. And so, um, but most importantly, I think it's important to remember why you're there. You're there to serve the people. And so, you know, if, if there are personality differences, it's important to uh, see that you work through those to make sure that you're serving the people. And, um, you know, I think it's important to, uh, you know, not exacerbate or make things worse, you know, and, and just quietly kind of put your head down and do the work. And I think that's what I've done on different opportunities that I've had. You know, currently I chair the city of Rio's Human Rights Commission, Governor Sisolak appointed the Nevada State Rehabilitation Council, which you heard a little bit about at the public meeting with uh, Dora Martinez, who was the public commenter in the disability space. Uh, that's where we work, uh, making sure that people with disabilities, mental or physical, are able to find work here in Nevada. I'm the vice chair of that commission. And so I think it's important that, you know, you put your head down and you do the work and then you work with your colleagues to make sure that you're producing the best product. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish we had more time for more questions, but there are Q&As coming up this week. So folks can come and meet you and talk to you and ask questions. So rather than you answering these questions, I'd love to know what questions you would like to hear from those people. So if you can give me your top three questions you'd like people to ask you so that you can fully explain a little bit more in detail in this coming week. So what are the top three questions you want to hear from those people? You know, that's an interesting question. I think the way I would approach it is that I hope that people are able to walk away from those sessions kind of knowing a little bit about who I am, why I'm here, and then what I plan on doing. And so, and, um, you know, the, the last part, um, I think is a little bit, um, I look forward to listening and learning more. I think that will certainly inform what I plan on doing, but certainly the first two questions have a stronger sense of those two. But, um, you know, I look forward to listening and learning more about what our residents would like to see that way that I can uh, serve them in the best way. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like I said, one of the, my goals for this show is to let people who are about to have a new city council person know a little bit more about the finalists so that they can weigh in before the decision is made. So I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come and chat a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity, Connor. I appreciate it.